Welcome to Parenting Your Sensitive Child. Parenting a highly sensitive child can feel overwhelming, and all the parenting books in the world can only get you so far if your head and your heart are out of alignment with your child's. I'm your host, Julia McGarry. Let's create a new parenting paradigm. Hey y'all, I want to talk to you today about how we view our children and the language we use to describe them. The language we use matters because it shifts our thinking even if it's subtle. And sometimes a subtle shift in thinking is all it takes to set us on an entirely different course. I want to get a little bit more specific because my intention with this episode isn't to explore our language in general. Today, we're going to look at what happens when you shift from viewing children through the lens of special needs to viewing them through the lens of special rights. Okay, a little background information. I earned my master's degree in human education and development at UC Denver through the Boulder Journey Schools program. This program is steeped in the philosophy of early childhood education modeled by the schools in Reggio Emilia, Italy. Central to the Reggio Emilia approach is a high image of children as capable individuals who are worthy of respect and whose voices are valued. The Reggio Emilia approach centers an emergent curriculum So classroom teachers spend time observing and seeking to understand the children in their class, their strengths, their interests, their learning edges, growth edges, and their challenges. They seek to understand the children's intellectual motivation, but also the children's perspectives and experiences of different social contexts and their environment. Teachers and children in this approach are viewed as researchers, and they develop the curriculum based on these observations. So the curriculum might be developed based on what a particular group of students is interested in or where the student's research is leading them to go next. This approach guides so much of the work that I do with parents. As a team, we work together to build up as much perspective, as much understanding of what is going on for their children as we can. We build theories about the child's experience and then make decisions about how to move forward based on that information. Because children have a right to exist exactly as they are. And all children have a right to feel safe in their home environment and experience connection with their parents and caregivers. And all children have a right to express themselves, to be seen, and to be witnessed. I could go on about children's rights for a long time, but I think you get the point. The way we parent reflects our belief that our children have rights And it also reflects our ability to identify what those rights are. 
our thinking about the rights of children guides how we interact with them. Which brings me back to the idea that I really wanted to drive home today in this episode, and that's the idea that children's rights manifest differently for different children. Here in the U.S., we tend to talk about children having special needs. But in Reggio, the language is different. In Reggio, children are not identified as having special needs, but rather as having special rights. Now, this may not seem like it makes much of a difference, but I want you to think about it for a minute. Think about the significance of the word needy. There is a distinct negative connotation here. And while I know that saying a child has special needs isn't the same as saying they are needy, the two words are very closely related. And parents often have to advocate for their children to ensure that those needs get met. We live in a culture that expects children to conform to certain standards, and if they can't, they're identified as needing more from us. It positions the children as a drain on the system, on their parents, on their caregivers. It ultimately is a negative way of viewing children. Now think about what shifts when you think instead about a child's rights. What would it mean, for example, if we said that all children have a right to learn in an environment in which they can be successful? Or even better, what would it mean to view our own children with attention to their rights within our own home? What if we said that all children have a right to a safe dining environment or to feel safe while they're eating, for example. It makes it obvious that their rights are different than their needs, right? If we're focused on needs, we would focus on their need for a balanced diet. And special needs in this context might mean they need more support from us in eating a balanced diet. So we try all sorts of things to get them to eat better and often inadvertently create an environment where they don't feel safe. When we're thinking in terms of rights, though, and their right to feeling safe when they're eating, our whole approach changes. We begin to take away the pressure of clearing their plate or trying new foods. We might realize that they can sit at the table comfortably for 15 minutes before staying still gets too uncomfortable and they get dysregulated and disruptive. And we begin to see how when we enter a situation with the child's rights in mind, each child might require something different to ensure their rights are being upheld. These additional requirements, these special rights, are unique to each child and are independent of any diagnosis they might have. Schools in Reggio operate under this model. Children there receive diagnoses just as American children do, but teachers aren't informed of the diagnosis the way teachers are here. 
Special rights are given to children who need them, whether there is a diagnosis or not, and regardless of what that diagnosis might be. Obviously, schools here don't work that way, and personally, I land in the camp of doing the evaluation if you have any suspicions or notice any red flags, or if your child is having any difficulties in school that their teachers have brought to your attention. It's often a critical component to advocating for your child in a system that requires proof of need for accommodations to be made. But we have a choice of how we operate in our own homes. We have the choice to prioritize our children's rights over our perception of their needs. It's a shift worth making. It requires thought and attention and interestingly enough, it still ensures that our children's needs are being met. I hope that this has given you something to think about this week. If this way of thinking is intriguing to you, I'd love to help you take it deeper. It is possible to build a stronger relationship with your child without needing them to change at all. And I am the coach to help you do that. To get started, go to my website, partneredpath.com, click on coaching, and schedule your consultation. I look forward to talking with you, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Do you feel like you're parenting 24-7, and you're still not sure your child is getting what they need? Are you ready to stop parenting reactively and start living in partnership with your sensitive child? Are you ready to reclaim time for yourself and time for your dreams? Then you're going to want to explore coaching with me. I help my clients tune out all the noise, better understand their kids, build a parenting strategy that meets their family's specific needs, and do the mindset work necessary to implement that strategy consistently without sacrificing themselves in the process. To get started, just head over to partnerpath.com, click on coaching, and get your free consultation set up. Let's get to know each other.